Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. Five o'clock hour here on Burns and Gambo. Happy Thursday to you. Got uh, Thursday night football getting ready to begin on uh, Amazon, of course, between the Colts and the Denver Broncos, two very underachieving AFC teams so far to start the season. And obviously the Cardinals and the Eagles coming up on Sunday in a big week five matchup in which I shudder to think how many Eagles fans are going to make the trip. I think that's oh, the four no Eagles team. Gonna yeah, they'll travel well. Overrun. They'll travel well. By Eagle fans. I'm concerned about it. Uh, more than that, though, I'm concerned about how the Cardinals match up with this team. I think we all are because we, we, we've said it all week long. We'll say it again. You look for weaknesses with the Eagles and they're hard to find. Uh, in fact, we, we, earlier we did a story on the Birds and Gambo show. Uh, the one weakness for each team, the biggest disappointment for each team so far to start the season. Yes. The best they could come up with That's, for the Eagles yep. was their special teams yep. unit. The hang time on oh. their punts are about two tenths of a second off from everybody else. What a That's failure. It. They're, That's it. Yeah. Their gunners just. Sock he is just Philly. yeah, he's, he's awful. Not as fast as other gunners. He's just a, <laughs> that's the best yeah. you can come no, they up with. They got nothing. They literally got nothing. You're living well if that's the best mm, you can come up with right. in terms of complaints and biggest disappointments. They've been good, and of course the Cardinals' offense will. You know that that Philly defense is great, and we've talked a lot about the offense. But today, Vance Joseph, as he does every Thursday, the Cardinals' defensive coordinator meets the media. And he's got to figure out how to stop a dynamic Philadelphia offense that just has way after way after way that they can beat you. Isaiah Simmons' role in that, he's earned more playing time. And as you would expect, Vance Joseph continues to get asked about Isaiah Simmons and his snap count. I mean, it was a plan, but he's earned a right. I mean, he's had two great weeks of practice, you know, and for our young guys, that's that's the key, in my opinion. The process of winning games starts in practice, right? So, you know, as he's practiced better, he's played better. You know, and that's that's part of being a good pro. But I've been proud of Isaiah. He's practiced well. He's played well the last two weeks. So that's the trend so far. So, so if he can stay that way, I mean, he helped us win, obviously. I mean, his talent shows when he's playing, you know, good, sound football. So um, I'm proud of him, you know, for not pouting and just working and working and working and getting better each week. And it's shown on, on game day. We thought a couple of weeks ago, when he only had 15 snaps that it was more of a punishment because he didn't practice very well a little bit of a message to Isaiah Simmons you got to prepare now you're they're raving about two straight weeks of practice that makes me think that that was the initial reason why he got so many limited snaps is because he just you know he wasn't going all out in practice so I do believe that that's why a couple of weeks ago he was very limited now last week the snap count the snap count was the same but the percentage was higher because they had less plays on defense against yeah, Carolina. Yeah, he played what? I'm, I'm looking through my notes right now. I think it was like 80% of the snaps when it was all said and done. He was out there like 48 here. I'm just pulling it up right now. He was on the field 83% of the time he played 43 snaps for the Cardinals. But you're absolutely right. I, I heard that soundbite, which is why the suggestion that him not playing was part of the game plan was kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you, right? I, I mean, it. I, I don't think anybody ever actually thought that's what it was, that they decided our game plan suggests we shouldn't play the number eight overall pick in the draft from two years ago this week because it's not a good matchup. Hearing Vance say what he said today, 
That is the reason why he He's wasn't playing. He's had two playing. great weeks of practice. He's, He's practicing you practice, well. You play how yeah. you practice. It right. was all that that punishment was all about, and that was the game he made the big hit, and he caught against the Raiders, right. and he caught the the fumble, and it won the game, and he didn't play a whole lot. We were questioning why, and, and look, I had people hint to me that that is why he did not play a whole lot too, is because the, he wasn't practicing well. That sure. sent a message to him. Well, message delivered. He's practicing better now. Okay, he's motivated. Look, there's a lot of money to be made in this league, man. These guys got to get with that program and understand whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I want to be great. I want I want to play this league for as long as I can. The money's really good. Um, and Isaiah Simmons, it does seem like he is winning over Vance Joseph with the amount of with the, with the way he has been practicing. Look, Vance didn't say this, but it's almost like a a. I look. I don't care where you're drafted. If you're not practicing well, I'm not going to play you. Right? If, yeah, if I'm going to play Ben Neiman over you yeah, if you don't I, practice I, I, well. I'm going I'm to play guys who are practicing better than you. And if you're not going to give it to me in practice, then I'm not going to give it to you out there on the field on Sundays. Just not. I don't care where you're drafted. I don't. I don't. I, I don't care. And that you know that that it at this point you worry that a guy you know like Isaiah Simmons where he was drafted isn't playing that much. But I would expect that we'll see how it goes forward. Now uh, the other thing I'll, I'll be watching with Isaiah Simmons. Okay, the last time he was matched up against a tight end like this, he got humiliated. Against Travis Kelsey in week one, right? But that was when he had that little green sticker on the back of his helmet. And he had so much more out there he had to deal with. More responsibility. Now that he's been freed of that, can he do a better job in covering one of the best tight ends in the NFL now that he doesn't have to worry about doing that and the responsibility that comes with having a little green sticker on the back of your helmet? Well, maybe, especially with, you know, if reinforcements coming back with the cornerbacks and you're not going to ask him to have to play, you know, slot corner or anything and, and you could just concentrate on that, then maybe. I mean, maybe. I mean, listen, it was shorthanded at corner, so they've had to line him up in a lot of different spots. If they're getting, you know, if, if Hamilton's going to come back and Trayvon's going to come back and Trayvon's going to play and, and, and they feel like they're good at corner, they may not need him to play as much corner and then maybe he could just concentrate on that. It's funny. Any conversation we have about Simmons. I'm thinking back to our interview we had earlier with the Philly insider, Elliot yeah. Shore Parks. Remember what he said about Hassan Reddick? He's like, look, one of the things the Eagles did with Hassan Reddick. Oh, yeah, just they don't they don't play him here, they don't play him there, they don't move him around. They don't get hypnotized by the fact that he can play a bunch of different positions. They put him in one spot, they give him one responsibility, and they say, Go do it. Well, that's what the Philadelphia coaching staff gets a lot of credit. Like they really do a good job developing their guys and putting their guys in the right position. Yeah. The front office gets a lot of credit, their coaching staff's getting a lot of credit. Yeah, and I know like the temptation with a guy like Hassan Reddick or a guy like Isaiah Simmons, oh, but he can do this, oh, but he can do that. Find the one thing that he's great at and let him be great at it. You know, and and, and I've well, been there with Dayon Buchanan trying to have this guy do all these different things. They do seem to, and by they I mean the Cardinals and Steve Kime in particular, do seem to get kind of hypnotized by those do-everything kind of defenders, right? The, oh, we can do this, and he can do, here's Hassan Reddick, we can play him here, we can play him there, here's Isaiah Simmons, we can do this, we can okay, do that. Okay, he was one of the here's best Dayon, defensive players do- in football at Clemson. Oh, I know. He was like, I know, but every I'm not, almost every team in the league would have drafted that guy in the first oh, round. And I'm Everyone not saying the Cardinals would. made a mistake in drafting him. I'm saying that maybe the mistake is made in trying to take the guy who can do yeah. everything in college and assuming he can do everything in the NFL at that level. That, that might that might be the mistake. That's, that's correct. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, more from Vance Joseph. His team only has four sacks on the year. He doesn't care. That's not important. It, 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 it's not. Obviously, sacks over the years has, has led to defense having success. But you know, it's about winning the game. You know, I think our win rates, as far as rushing, has been high. I think our system 
the history of our system, you know, people don't hold the ball. The ball's out fast, so sack numbers don't concern me. You know, one number concerns me, that's winning a football game, and that comes down to playing good, solid football and winning third downs and winning red zone and not, not giving up big plays. And, you know, if, if sacks fall in there, I'll take them. But outside of that, that doesn't bother me at all. There are teams in this league that you can you can get those sacks against. We said Washington, Philly. Philly's got a lot of sacks. He had nine of them came against Carson Wentz. Yeah. And Washington, which is no offensive line. Guy quarter good teams are gonna get the ball out very quickly so their quarterbacks don't get hit. Good teams are going to do that. Yeah. But I think in a perfect world be a yeah, but we would all agree more sacks are better. Right? Yeah, and there's going to be... No matter what, we can't can't make it sound like it's an irrelevant number that means absolutely nothing. That's a little disingenuous. I mean, come on. It, it matters a little bit okay, but if you how drop much back, you're sacking the quarterback. You drop back 25 times to throw. Not every single time are you going to deliver the ball in two seconds. Not every single time are you just throwing a quick slant or a quick screen. There are times that you are going to take a shot down the field. When you take a shot down the field, you know what? You've got to give that guy time to run. Think about a guy running a 40-yard dash, okay? That's 4.4 seconds, 4.3 seconds. So if you're going to have a 30-yard pattern or more, you're going to be in that pocket for more than three seconds. That's when you got to get these guys. Yeah, You're not getting them on the quick the quick stuff because they're getting rid of the ball so quickly. But, but the, I don't take an issue with that. I just take an issue with the idea that it doesn't matter at all. It matters a little bit. It matters a little bit. Haven't we said all along, but it's a combination of pressures. Of course. Hits, of course. Sacks. But, sacks but, is just one part of the equation. It, it, but it's it's a part of the equation. It is. It's it not is. irrelevant. It's I, not meaningless. It's I, not. It's, I would like to see more, too. We all would. We, yeah. I mean, we all would. Four is, four is not a number that I think you want from your defense. But, look, Vance's unit and... and I thought it was going to be the weakness of the Cardinals all year long. I give Vance shows of all the credit in the world for taking a unit that I thought was going to be the reason why they lost games and turning it into a unit that is the reason why they win games. Vance Joseph deserves all the credit for that because I didn't think he had enough horses on that side of the ball to win football games with that defense. But yet if I say, is J.J. Watt playing well? Yes, he is. Is Zach Allen playing well? Yes, he is. Yeah, so, uh, is Dennis Gardeck playing well? He's playing great. He's a like, steal. He's a bargain. Yeah. yeah, like you know, you could sit there and say the numbers don't exist, but then if we start go, going through players, sure, you say, "Oh, the guy's playing well. He's having a good year." Yeah. When we come back, how good are this year's Phoenix Suns? Are they a championship contender in the eyes of the national media? You'll hear from one prominent member next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. We have to make up our minds if we're Suns fans. Are we going to get offended when a team that won 64 games last year but got humiliated in the second round of the playoffs? If they're not going to get picked by a lot of national pundits to win the championship or contend for a championship this year. We're going to get upset about that. We're going to be bothered by that. We're going to be hurt none by of it that. Ma- none of it matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, I mean, did a lot of people pick the Suns to win it last year? Uh, at the beginning of the season, a few. By the end of the season, a bunch. 
Right. By the end of the season, everyone's like, that team's going to win it. That Look how good they are. Well, there, there were some warning signs, like people like, okay, there's still something about this team. Like I think John Hollinger did a long piece about, okay, this, they don't have that star player. and you have that, right? yeah, Remember that story remember that Hollinger that. Yeah, did? All right, listen, everybody loves the Suns and win all these games, but let me just point out, man, nobody wins without a star. Like They don't have a bona fide top star. They got a lot of great players, but they don't have that one star, and, and every team that's won it outside of a couple have had that guy. Yeah, we saw earlier in the week the NBA released their annual general manager survey, uh, and the Suns didn't get a lot of love for winning the championship and that in the survey done among the GMs in the league. Now, I've got the story today from Zach Lowe, and I, I think he's one of the better NBA insiders out there. He's certainly very popular on ESPN and ESPN.com. And he does this every year, and I have no idea. In fact, Mitch, maybe if you get a second, you could try to find Zach Lowe's annual NBA tiers ranking from last year. I would imagine he would have the Suns in the inner circle because they lost in the NBA Finals. But this year, he's got his inner circle, right? The teams that he says are the elite, the very best of the best. And the Phoenix Suns aren't there. He's got the Warriors. In the West, he's got six teams. Six teams. He's got the Warriors, the Clippers, and the Nuggets in the West. He's got the Bucks, Celtics, and Sixers in the East. And the very first thing he writes in his piece, the mild surprise here might be the Sixers and Nuggets over the Suns. And he spends the first... Seven or eight paragraphs of the story, basically apologizing yeah. for why he doesn't have the Suns. I'm sorry, Suns fans. He just, I mean, yeah, he he fell in love with Denver. Denver was injury riddled and bereft of perimeter defense in both 21 and 22, and Jokic was fatigued from carrying the offense uh, along mostly career backups. Murray's a gritty, underrated defender. Candavius Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown are hand in glove fits. They give Denver the ability to sit Porter, shifting Gordon to power forward to cinch up the defense. Defense. Denver is betting tighter perimeter defense, slithering around picks will make Jokic's jobs easier, and that return of Murray to run the offense will have the two-time MVP fresher in the postseason. All right, what, so he's counting on Denver being a. That's why he's got the Suns down a notch because he just believes in Denver. Yeah. Uh, and before we carry on with that conversation, Mitch, did you find last year's Zach Lowe's? I believe I did. If it's titled exactly the same, his ranking every team from the top to the very bottom. The tier system's a little different. I, I kind of chuckle when I immediately look at it in hindsight. Tier of their own number one, the Brooklyn Nets. Tier of their own number two, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Suns fell into a tier that he titled above the play in fray in the West with the LA Lakers and the Utah Jazz. So that was coming off the finals appearance. Correct. Huh. Okay. So, so he, they're in the top five. They're in the top five, but he put the Nets in a tier of their own, the Bucks in a tier of their own, and then the Suns kind of in the next tier with after the that. Lakers and the Jazz. Okay. There's okay. No problem with that. No, they got no problem. The Jazz. I mean, the Jazz going last year was the Jazz's last hurrah to see if they can make that thing work with Rudy Gobert, pretty much, and uh, and Donovan Mitchell, who had a pretty good debut for Cleveland the other day. Oh, I didn't yesterday. see. Did Donovan, he? he played pretty well oh, okay. for Cleveland. I didn't he played see pretty that. Pretty well. Yeah. yeah. And Rudy Gobert, you're the short guy, the short, the Rudy Gobert guy. At least next I to Victor Webb and Yama, yeah, yeah, he is the short guy. The short guy. Standing next to him. 
Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, the, the fact that the, they they still believed in the Lakers because the Lakers had lost to the Suns, but they were really injured when they played the Suns. Right. Remember the Suns? They were up 2-1 on the Suns. Mm-hmm. But Davis couldn't stay healthy, and they just weren't right. So that's why I think at that time they still believed in the Lakers. Nobody's going to pick the Lakers now. But I don't like. I don't have. I don't have an issue with this. I mean, he's got three teams ahead of the Suns. The problem. The Suns probably aren't going to have the best record in the NBA. No. In the West this year, they're probably not going to have that. They don't have Javale McGee. They don't have Jay Crowder. Not, right now, they don't have Jay Crowder. I don't think that they improved. Like, I mean, I still think they're really good. That pace that they were on last year was was crazy. But they also played the Clippers without Kawhi. They played the Nuggets without uh, Murray. They, they just. You know, now the, these teams are healthier. Everybody in the West is a little bit healthier. I Look, I don't really have a problem with what Zach Lowe wrote either. In fact, if the whole premise of the article is, I'm not picking the Suns to be in my inner circle of contenders because I think the West is going to get better, I don't think he's wrong. I, I think, you know, I've, I've said this for months, the Clippers scare me to death. They scare yeah, me to death. With John I, Wall now and oh, the depth and they're Kawhi back. They're loaded. They're loaded. They're loaded. They're loaded. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll, I'll put them in that inner circle. And if he wants to put Denver in the inner circle because they're getting Jamal Murray back, fine. Fine. I, I mean, there's there's certainly an argument to be made that they're at least as good as the Suns when they've got their full complement of guys. If they want to do that, that's okay. You don't have to be in Zach Lowe's inner circle to win a championship, right? And, and you're right. No, the, the two teams he had last year. Yeah, the Nets and the Bucks. They didn't win it. They didn't win it. Neither. They, they didn't even. They didn't even go to the. F- where did he have Golden State last year? They didn't even year? go to the finals last year. Mitch, where did he have the Warriors? Now remember, last year we weren't exactly. We were kind of. We feared the Warriors a little bit, but there were three games that the Suns had coming up against the Warriors, and one of them was on Christmas Day. Yeah. One of them was in November, and we were like, "That's going to be a good gauge," because Clay wasn't fully back yet, and we just weren't sure what the Warriors were going to be. Yeah. Where did what he have got, the what Warriors got, Mitch? In, in that next tier below that group of three from the West? What do you so say if you're looking him? at it from the West Conference, it was Lakers, Suns, and Jazz. And then the very next group, he called the West Morass. Nuggets, Clippers, Trailblazers, Mavericks, Warriors. Yeah, he put a lot of teams in there. He put the Trailblazers in there? Yeah. He put the Trailblazers with the Warriors. They yeah. had just made the postseason the year before, but I guess he discounted the Billups hire. Yeah, and look, and it's not, we're not, and it's not like we're doing this to point out the flaws of Zach Lowe. No. We are. It's well, okay. You are. <laughs> we are. You sure. are. It doesn't matter. I, I'm just. I, but sure, that, just to me, it doesn't it, matter. That, that's the bigger point. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He he didn't even have the team in the Eastern Conference that the the, the Warriors lost to in the NBA Finals in his in, in his years like that. He didn't have Dallas. And Dallas won two rounds in the playoffs. He yes. didn't have Dallas in there. Things change. Things are different. Things are hard to predict. And I think the Suns, look, I, I think the biggest thing I'm looking for, honestly, is, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, what else are the Suns going to do? Because I, I, I think right now, you're telling me Jay Crowder's not going to be on this team I'm telling you, I don't think the Suns have enough. I think they need to make an addition at some point this season, either with the Jay Crowder trade, whatever that looks like, or at the deadline, whatever that looks like. I think they need to add a player that helps them improve enough to keep up with the Western you Conference. You can't subtract Jay Crowder without having an addition. Well, I understand, but I... I so you I, have to have... Something's got to come back. I guess I'm just counting on the addition they get for Jay Crowder or in that trade to not be as good as Jay Crowder. I'm assuming that whoever they get in the Jay trade isn't as good as Jay. That's what I assume. I'm going to look at the Bucks roster. 
Because the Bucks roster, like, you know, it, it could be Milwaukee may get Jay Crowder. But what do they, what do they have that they could give you? I don't know. You're not that, getting any of the top players. That's my point. My, my point is, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think you're a better team at the end of the day because you traded Jay Crowder for player X. Cause I don't think player X is going to be as good as Jay Crowder. I just don't. So for me, the question as to whether the Suns can contend in the West really boils down to what else is James Jones going to do? And is he going to do it at the deadline? Is he going to do it before the deadline? Is he going to add a player? Who is he going to get in this now Chris Paul window to make them good enough to keep pace with the Clippers and keep pace with the Warriors and keep pace with the Nuggets if that's what it takes? That, to me, is the answer to the question. The Suns are really good. They're still really and, – and they will improve. Mikel will continue to get better. Cam Johnson will get better. DeAndre Ayton, God willing, will get better. I just don't know if that's enough. In the Western God, I Conference, I don't like these. I don't like this Miami and Buck and Milwaukee roster for trades. I just don't like Bobby Portis. Ugh, I don't. I don't. Can't stand Bobby Portis. Yeah. Like I just don't know who they. You know, who are you going to get from them in a trade? Like Milwaukee and Miami come up a lot, but man, they don't have that much. Broncos just kicked a field goal. They're up three to nothing. That over quarterback the cannot get Colts. touchdowns for the Broncos. No, he cannot. He cannot, cannot at all. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show here on this Thursday, the matchup between the Cardinals and the Eagles has several matchups within the game. What are the five biggest? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons, 2 till 6 on the Arizona Sports App. It's the question we've been asking all week. It's the question we've been trying to answer all week. If you're the Cardinals and you're trying to figure out how to solve the Philadelphia Eagles, where do you start? If you're <laughs> right, like like a like what? Where do you where do you start with that? Because just run and hide. Just everything nice. about them looks elite. Everything down fourteen nothing to Jacksonville. Right, the teams that they beat have not been great teams. I mean, they were down. They were four, down fourteen nothing to Jacks. They're a very good team by all metrics. They're a very good team. I don't know where you start. They're loaded everywhere. Yeah. Offense, defense, they're just loaded. They are. I mean, their their offensive line is elite. Their running game is elite. Their wide receivers are fantastic. A.J. Brown, what, what one of the leaders in the NFL in yeah. catches of 15 yards or more. Dallas Goddard, yards after the catch. He leads the NFL in yards after the catch. And that's just their offense. That's not even getting into their the takeaways that they produce, the sacks that they produce, the third down conversion that they allow. It's one of the best in the league. I mean, just go on and on and on and on and on. So, the Eagles are good. They're 4-0. They're the only 4-0 team. They come in here. They're going to bring a crap ton of Eagle fans with them. They're, they're, they're coming. They're going to invade. Be ready for it. There's going to be a lot of green in that stadium, I fear, on Sunday. So, we'll see how that looks and how that impacts the game. So, when you talk about the key matchups to watch, and I'm not sure where this story came from, but it's, it's funny to me that of all of the key matchups to watch in this game, the one that this article started with was the Eagles secondary versus the scrambling Kyler Murray. Right. Isn't it funny that for all the talk of the Eagles are so good, they're so good, they're so good, it starts with Kyler. 
his ability to run and the Eagles' ability to stop Kyler from running. Yeah, that's you know that that is number one for them because look, as we know, and we talk about this over and over again. When Kyler's successful running, the Cardinals are successful winning. So his scrambling, scrambling ability and ability to get out and run. We know all the stats. We've got him ad nauseum. We've gone through him. Right? If he runs four times or less, they don't win any games. If he runs nine or more times, they don't lose any games. And in between, they're a five hundred team. So it's very simple to look at that and say, you've got to try to figure out how to slow that guy down. You've got to figure out a way to not let him out of the pocket, to do what the Rams did to him. Murray is averaging just 8.8 yards per completion and just 5.7 yards per pass attempt. So he's not having a whole lot of success in the air. They're not pushing the ball down the field. So when you look at the Cardinals, you say, okay, their way to win is when Kyler runs. So that is why they, they figure that's the, that's the easiest way to do it. It's still just puts the onus on Kyler, like you say, to run more. And, and I, I really believe, you know, again, watching these first 15 plays to see how they script them differently, how Cliff scripts them differently. Part of that to me is getting Kyler involved in the running game earlier, getting him engaged in that part of the game earlier to put that thought in the Eagles' mind. All right, five matchups to watch. That's okay. number one. Eagles secondary versus Kyler Murray's frenetic scrambling ability. Number two, and this one I think has a little bit of a wrinkle to it that they don't mention. The Eagles' defensive line against the Cardinals' offensive line. And they give a lot of credit, and rightfully so, to the Cardinals' offensive line. They should for being as veteran as they are. The problem is they're just so beat to hell right, right. now. They don't really mention that part. No, they mention you know, Rodney Hudson's been to the Pro Bowl three times, and DJ Humphrey's been there, and uh, you know they mention the they've got 533 combined starts between them. By comparison, the Eagles' offensive line, they've got 371 combined starts. So, you know, the Cardinals' offensive line is very experienced and played a lot of football, so they just they give credit to the Cardinals' offensive line, and when they're healthy, rightfully so. Yeah, and that assumes Rodney Hudson plays. That assumes Justin Pugh plays, right? And that's obviously Kelvin yeah. Beecham as well. Will Hernandez is not as much of a veteran as those guys, but that's just uh, assume DJ Humphreys. That assumes that he plays. All three of those guys that I just mentioned, Hudson and uh, DJ Humphreys and Justin Pugh, were either did not practice today or were limited in practice today. And by the way, you sent me the link. It came from the phillyvoice.com. Yes. The five matchups to watch in this one. Matchup number three, the Eagles banged up offensive line versus the Cardinals pass rush. What pass rush? (laughs) I thought sacks didn't matter. Didn't didn't we establish earlier? At least some of us tried to establish Uh, that sacks don't matter. Um, I didn't realize there was a pass rush to really account for if you're the Eagles' offensive line. Yeah, Yeah, the Eagles are a little hurt on the offensive line. um, But, man, even the backups that they put in that game did a really nice job against Jacksonville. They made a a funny stat. On the season, Arizona's illegal 4 sacks. By comparison, the Eagles had five sacks during a 13-play stretch against the Commanders. Yeah, the Commanders, Tyrell, like everybody should get 10 sacks against the Commanders. Yeah. They had nine. But yeah, that, listen, that's four sacks is one. still four sacks, yeah. though. It's the lowest in the league. The next one is the one I like the most. I think this is a pretty good one. The Eagles wide receivers versus their word, not mine, the Cardinals shrimpy secondary. Ooh. Shrimpy. Hmm. Byron Murphy, 5'11. Marco Wilson, 5'11. Jace Whitaker, 5'11. Buda Baker, 5'10. Jalen Thompson, 5'11. <laughs> Dallas Goddard is 6'5. AJ Brown is 6'1. 
So they've got some size there when it comes to you know their their uh, their wide receivers and Devontae Smith is six feet tall. So they've got it's not like they got a whole bunch of six five guys out there. They AJ Brown's six one and Devontae Smith is six feet tall. The Cardinals aren't going to have any problem with the. Uh, it's not like they have great size out there. So I don't think that that is an issue. But that was an interesting one that they pointed out. Shrimpy. That's just... Byron Murphy, um, key guy for this weekend's game. He's key guy. Yeah. He's, he's off to a terrific start this season. I mean, we, we we have a poll question right now. What's been the most disappointing part of the Cardinals right. season so far? I, I think if we reverse the question and said what's been the most surprising part or what's been one of the best parts of the Cardinals season so far, Byron Murphy would be one of the four. I mean, he's he's played exceptionally well so far this he has, year. He has. There's, and I think you you try to put him on AJ Brown. AJ Brown is the only player in the NFL to do this. Five, at least five receptions in every game with 65 receiving yards. He's the only player in the NFL that has at least five receptions and at least 65 yards receiving. Nobody else has done that. I think you put Byron Murphy on A.J. Brown, you try to take A.J. Brown out of the game yeah. with him. Yep, and that wasn't our Philly insider we hit on earlier today. You asked him, what, what do you take away first? Yeah. What do you try to, I, and he said A.J. Brown. He said A.J. Brown. So you just try to take him out of the game and see if you can go from there. And then number five, and apparently it, it's just so bad in Philly, it's worth mentioning again, the fifth biggest matchup to watch in this game, the Eagles special teams units against themselves. <laughs> yeah. They're ranked 30th in some special teams categories. and uh, But it also says the Cardinals don't have anything special to point on their special teams units. So... Um, it's it's I don't know. I mean, if we're going to sit here and say that that's that's going to be the Cardinals are going to have to win the game with special teams blunders by the Eagles, they're probably not going to win. No, but you know what? I, I will say this uh, because it, it doesn't get talked about a lot. Uh, I'll say this about the special teams. Both teams are going into this one with backup kickers. And so if it is a close game going into the fourth quarter, right? That's we saw Matt Amendola. He didn't kick well for the Chiefs earlier in the season. They lost that game to the Colts, right? It's you don't you don't want to lose a game because you got a backup kicker missing field goals that your normal guy would make. That that's that's a that can be it's a it's a minor thing until it's not. You know, there's a there's there's kickers are like lawyers in that you don't you don't need a good one until you need a good one, right? And, and kickers are the same way. You need a good one in the fourth quarter of a close game. And if either one of these guys aren't up to the task in a backup of a battle of backup kickers, that will matter in this game. Yeah. What was the game where they had all those long drives and only came away with field goals? Like that was gotta, the Rams game. Like you've got to. You can't have that. You just don't want to rely on that. That's why a lot of times, you know, Cliff is passed on kicking what's a relatively easy field goal to go for it because he just feels like when the offense is stalled that I need to get touchdowns on field goals. Yeah, when we come back here on Burns and Gambo, the Cardinals are dealing with a long, long list of injuries. One position group in particular is taking the brunt of it, and it's led to questions about what exactly Cliff will do about it on Sunday. That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo. Watch. On tonight.
Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime is on tonight. Three and a half minutes to go in the first quarter. The Broncos have the ball down or up, I should say, 3 nothing against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, two teams that uh, so much more were expected so far in the AFC. Even the Broncos are hanging in there. They're 2-2, two and two, but their offense has been a massive failure. I, I cannot believe how many people so far have wondered if Geno Smith is actually a better quarterback than Russell Wilson wow. so far this year. Wow. Because Russ has just been so blah so far for the Broncos. Man. And Geno Smith has been so good. How? Um, like, how I don't is know. Russell Wilson like, I, I got a new team? I, wow. It doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, beyond that, that's it tonight. Uh, Big Red Rage is... I'm going to miss watching D-backs baseball. They really, they really brought me a lot of excitement in the second half of the season. With That's all just because the, they raise your heart rate in the eighth inning when the bullpen... Uh, I'm not going to miss that. <laughs> I'm not going to miss that. Yeah. But I did really enjoy watching the D-backs, you know, with all these young kids and the excitement they brought to the table. You know, yes and no. I, I'm, I'm going to... I enjoyed watching the kids. I don't want to sit here and say that I didn't. I'm looking forward to watching some baseball that has some teeth to it. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm like like something actually on the line. And uh, even though it's not on tonight, it is on tomorrow. What's so, the first game? What time? Rays Guardians at 9 o'clock in the morning. David Peralta! ESPN, Rays Guardians at 9. The Phillies and the Cardinals at 11 on ABC. Oh, man. That's a great series. That's a great series. Uh. The, the Mariners and the Blue Jays at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on ESPN. And then the Padres and the Mets at 5 o'clock on ESPN. That's going to be hard to concentrate tomorrow. Full day of postseason baseball. Love it. Love it. Bring uh. it. Can't wait. I said to you earlier, this, this is... Uh, David Peralta, since he's been with the Tampa Bay Rays, has had about him. We'll look it up exactly. I think 146 at bats that he had with the Rays. Not one home run. No, they he did not hit. They have a they have no power in their line. He had a oh excuse 161 at bats for the Tampa Rays. He didn't hit one. He had 12 home runs for the D-backs. He hit no home runs wow. for the race. Yeah. He, uh, Zero. Zero. Yeah. So a full day of baseball tomorrow. And, and again, that's why, I mean, look, I, I think the baseball postseason is the best of the postseasons. Um, I oh, do. Great. I love baseball. But I just, I think it's it's the right amount of teams. They expanded it this year. I'll be curious to see how that goes. I think it's the right amount of teams. It's the right amount of time. It doesn't take two months like the NBA or the NHL. They get it done in a month. I give you a champion. I like it. I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. Um, and it starts tomorrow. And yeah, it will be a little hard to concentrate. But I'm as much as you might miss Diamondbacks baseball and that youth movement, I look forward to this kind of baseball tomorrow. Baseball that, that that's got some that's got some hair on it. Starting well, tomorrow, Paul you know Goldschmidt's what I mean? It's gonna win the MVP. Yes. He's gonna win the MVP. Good on him. Good on him. Um Cardinals with pool holes and Arenado. I mean the Cardinals are playing good baseball. I mean it's good. I just I just hope it's not the Dodgers. I just hope it's not the Dodgers. I hope not either. Well I just hope it's not that well if it is you owe me lunch if it's not the Dodgers. I hope I owe you lunch. <laughs> I took the Dodgers, right? You took the Dodgers. And I, I took gave the you field. the field. I took the field. Okay. Yeah. I hope you're right. I, I hope. Mean, I like my I, chances, but. I hope what you want comes true and that you owe me lunch. I hope I owe you lunch, too. Because I'd love to not have it be the Dodgers again. Right. That'd Are we f- even on lunches? Are we even? I'm not sure. We, we paid off Eric for his lunch. Yeah. 
that we all owed him because he got the 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 Kyler thing right. I'm not sure what else. What what bets do we have pending there, Mitch? We got all right. Slow computer. Yeah. You know, we're taking our time here trying to figure out what bets we have pending. I think most of ours are still long term. I don't think we have anything. That's out there still. All right, here we go. Okay. We got an answer now. What what bets do we have? Okay, so here's what we have left. Uh, the Dodgers in the field. Okay, I okay. had the Dodgers. We have the, the rest of this NFL season to see whether or not Rob Gronkowski will wear pads. Oh, I said no. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I'm going to win that thing. I'm going to win that. <laughs> I think you, he I think, ain't coming back. I think you probably are. Okay. okay. All and right. then we have a couple of things that might not be answered this 2022. Okay, what do you got? LeBron James's final NBA team being the Lakers. That's what I have. Oh, I feel so good about that one. I Why? feel great about that one. Because he's going to go play with his kids somewhere. Okay. Because he said he wants to go play with his kids somewhere. And the final sale price of the Suns. Oh, what do we have on that? Here's here's the thing. All the reports saying it'll be close to four. The closest to that right now is Burnsy at 3.2. Oh, okay. Billion. Okay. Okay. So that's one of those whoever wins the other three buys lunch, right? Yes. And we all submitted our guesses, and like the price is right, which is going to be me because Mitch and Eric aren't going to buy. They're not going to buy anybody lunch. I'll just have to buy everybody lunch if I lose. Oh, when we bought Eric lunch, I collected money from Mitch, <laughs> and I didn't even have food. <laughs> you killed, you took money from Mitch. Oh hell yeah, I did. <laughs> I would yeah. never, Mitch. I would never take money from you. I would never take money from you. <laughs> I you appreciate going to that. Mitch Thank and you. asking for ten bucks. Oh, well, Mitch Venmo. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, I actually have to Sorry. keep cash in my wallet, so when I owe Gambo money, you know, I don't have to no, send him no, through technology. Gambo's never going to collect money uh, from you. I, I, apparently, that's just me because I'm a. I would never. I'm like, a jerk. Yeah, I'm dude, a jerk face. You guys either get a free lunch or you don't. <laughs> but you shouldn't. Like, you're not going to pay for it. <laughs> man, have I? been shamed. <laughs> I, I've been surprised I've, by you. I'm surprised I know, by you. I'm usually a very generous guy. But you I'm are like, a very generous guy. That's why I'm surprised you had Mitch Benjamin you 10 bucks for lunch. <laughs> I owe no him. Surprise. It's fine. I know, I know, but there I'll is... make it back in like 15 hours. It's fine. You I make gonna, $7 an hour. I was going to say, there's a slight well, salary what you make, but... discrepancy between the two of us. I probably should have just offered to pick it up for you, but <sighs> next time. Whatever. Next, next time, time, Mitch. Yeah, next time. Um, Cliff Kingsbury on the topic that we're supposed to get to here for the last couple of minutes. Said yesterday that this offensive line mess, it might come right down to the wire to see who he's going to have available. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those deals where it's going to be basically to the weekend before we know who, who can go. And, and you all saw what we signed Billy Price, and, and that's really um, as insurance to see who all can, can play and who can't. Numbers-wise. Starters, Rodney Hudson didn't practice today for the second straight day. Justin Pugh didn't practice today for the second straight day. DJ Humphreys was limited today for the second straight day. So you've got your starting center, you've got your starting left guard, your starting left tackle who either didn't practice or were limited. Um, it gets tricky. It gets tricky because your backup center is also your backup guard. So if Hudson can't go, now Sean Harlow is your backup center. And if Hudson and Pugh both can't go, now you've got to bring just in Colt McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just Kyle, you got the day off. You got to take a seat. You got to put Billy Price in there. I don't want Reddick eating you for lunch. Billy Price just got here, right? And, right. and, and, and this is what 
The shame of it all is this is what you traded for Cody Ford for, and he's still and he has to play. away. No, he's not even ready yet. He's not ready to play. I know. So you, they think Billy Price will be ready. They'll, they'll patchwork it as best they can. Look, here's the other thing. You got a really good blocking tight end in Max Williams, and if you have to, you're gonna like you have to go that direction. You go that direction. Yeah, you got to protect your quarterback. The thing I'm scared about the most, I think, is that I think given their age, that Rodney Hudson and Justin Pugh are going to be on this list basically all year long. Like I think this is how it's going to be the rest of the season with these two guys. In that, and I don't mean that like I'm frustrated with them. I'm just kind of speaking reality here. I think between. Their elbow injury, the knee injury, and just their age in general, that every single week they're going to be kind of touch and go as to whether they're available or not. What is this offensive line going to look like next year? Oh, who knows? I, I mean, hope if Hudson's back- gone and Pugh's gone, yeah. I like Beecham. I hope they bring back Will Hernandez. I've liked him so far. He's, he's, a, he's a nasty son of a gun. <laughs> he's a nasty he's son a of a nasty yes, guy. Yes, he is. He's one of those guys, he's walking down the street, you walk on the other side. Mm-hmm. He's a nasty guy. Bring back Beecham, though. And what have you? What's the point of Josh Jones? What have you? I mean, I did you know that's a third round pick that's just kind of rotten over there, right? You set at left guard, but you're not set at center. And, and I mean, left tackle you're set at. But if Justin retires, that's left guard. If Rodney retires, that's center. You got to do your center and your left guard retiring. Oh, I know. I just now, thought- you got you got Cody Ford. Maybe he could be Will Hernandez. Maybe your patchwork it there. But you're gonna have to you're gonna have to draft some linemen. Yeah, I just thought they said play. he was more of a tackle than guard. But yeah, I don't know the answer to that question. Zach Allen and the Big Red Rage is up next. We are out of here here on Burns and Gambo. We're gonna see you tomorrow straight up two o'clock here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports. Station. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Go.